She is hard. Her voice screams callous and her touch raw. You think she doesn't care, but she does and she always has. You mistook her tenacity for bitch. She is quick. She can time travel like you've never seen before. You saw her tomorrow and didn't realize because you were stuck in yesterday. You mistook her forward thinking for Detroit. She is quiet. Her silence scares you because it makes you unsure of yourself. She compels you to swallow and taste your vices. You mistook her composure for judgment. She is vital. Her urgency in this room is undeniable. Your rejection of it only ensures that her visit maintains. You mistook her necessity for oppression. She is unseen. If you had to guess, she would be everywhere and nowhere. Her body is not contained to the visible realm. You mistook her presence for absence. She is radical. Her mind is bottomless, but not like oceans, bottomless like black history and panther bullets. You mistook her revolutionary for hostility. She is secure. Her ego suffocates her inner zealous. You wonder who could be that home. You mistook her confidence for hubris. She is sweet. She is diligent. She is imperfect. She is voice. She is ready. She is now and then. If you asked her why she is always misunderstood, why she is a giver even when we are takers, she would tell you it is because she is a leader. So welcome to Our Mirror's Reflections with Andrea Jackson. We have an amazing guest host today, Kiva Richardson. She is an author. She's a dope woman. She is a vegan. She is into the cannabis world and a world that right now is making a ton of money. And I really wanted to get her on this platform to talk about what she does, to talk about what it is to be a Black woman in this business, and um, you know how the world has handled people that has actually been doing time for this now. Our country's now making money off of this. Kiba, introduce yourself and tell the guests a little bit about yourself. Hey, everybody. I'm Kiba Richardson. I am originally from Riverdale, Georgia. I currently reside in Atlanta. Um, as Andrea said, I am an author. I'm also a mother. I have an 18-year-old son who just graduated high school last year. Yeah. People people often think we're brother and sister. I'm talking about being a teen mom. <laughs> in my memoir that I released fourth uh, in April of 2020. I keep thinking we're still in 2020. Sorry. <laughs> so I'm also a cannabis advocate, and I am the creator of a lifestyle brand that I created particularly to help break the stigma associated with women using cannabis. And that is called Pretty Women Love Cannabis. And the mission is to educate, inform, and entertain women on all things as it relates to cannabis and our health. And I really wanted to specifically introduce this plant to Black women, or reintroduce, I should say, because it is one of the oldest forms of natural medicine. And, you know, our goal is to educate women on just how to use it, how to use it to promote better overall health and wellness. So being in the cannabis space is definitely, um, it's, it's amazing, but, you know, you really see it for what's going on in the bigger picture. Like you mentioned um, before, a lot of people of color are not really in this space. A lot of people of color, I'm sorry, are not really in this space. And it is still very much so that people are getting locked up. Yeah. getting put in prison for long amounts of time on one side of the country and on the other side people are getting insanely wealthy from getting into this 
So I just want to help represent for women and just for black people overall in the cannabis space because it's not a lot of us. <laughs> it's not a lot of us. And listen, you know, if people on the other side is making so much capital on this, I really don't understand why people of color who have done time for this is not able to come out and make the same amount of capital. I just right. don't understand it. It just doesn't make sense to me. A lot of these people in prison, too, they're the pioneers. They are the real growers. They are the people that are like, you know, kind of blaze the trail. So it's almost like, you know, it's it's just crazy. And some states are expunging records. But, you know, to get into the cannabis space, you can't have a criminal record. So it's, it's definitely a catch-22 and it's just unfortunate. But there are still so many ways you can be in cannabis, even if you're not cultivating or even if you don't have a dispensary. So I still feel like even if somebody went to prison for it or somebody currently has a record and they want to be in it and they feel like they can't, you don't have to cultivate. You don't have to open up a dispensary. Like you can take your skill set and point it toward the cannabis industry. So if you're into graphic design, photography, videography, if you're an accountant, like you can say, okay, I now want to focus on helping people in the cannabis space so you can still be in it without ever touching the plant or owning a dispensary. Like those are actually the hardest two ways to get into it. So it's definitely a space where everybody can get in. That's how I feel. You just, just like that. You're like, listen, if you can't get in this way because of this situation, it's okay. You can't change it. It is what it is, but you can get in over here. That's it. That is how a boss moves. And that's how you just transition. No, seriously, you can't change what it is. This is what it is. But this is how you're going to transition into getting it. So if you're passionate about doing this, this is what we're going to do to get you in on the other side. Absolutely. You can sell the tools that that um, growers need to cultivate. So it's so many ways that you can be in it without touching the plant where your record doesn't matter. And then you got you have cannabis companies who will actually hire people who have been in trouble for it because they understand, you know, what it's like to not have access to it just because of something that's now legal and, you know, the government making insane money off of taxing these these companies. So it's 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 a lot of money being made right now. Let me ask you something. What was it, uh Kiva, that got you interested in being in this business? Well, I was already into holistic health, just being like a health coach, being vegan and just really being into natural healing and natural health. And I was I became like a regular weed smoker back in 2014. Prior to that, I would do it every now and then, but I wasn't really a regular smoker. It wasn't something I did publicly. Like it was something on the hush, hush, hush. You know, you had to really know me, know me to even know I I did it from time to time. And back then, I didn't have knowledge of the real health benefits, but I broke my ankle in 2014 and had to get surgery, had to get a metal plate. Like, it was a disaster. It took months for me to recover, and the medication that I was prescribed made me sick to my stomach. So I just smoked, and that was what kept me calm and helped with pain and kept me relaxed, and I was able to get through it. And during those months of me recovering from my injury, I became a regular weed smoker. But I also got into holistic health and wellness. During those months of recovery, I started educating myself on nutrition in different parts. But cannabis was still something that, and when I say cannabis at this time, I was only smoking weed. I didn't even know about CBD back then. Right. 
So smoking weed, I was educating myself more on nutrition and, and things like that. But weed was something I still struggled with. It was something I knew I enjoyed doing. But I also back then was caught up in the stigma feeling like, oh, well, it's kind of bad. I really shouldn't be doing it. Mm-hmm. I used to go through times where I try to force myself to stop. And I just I, I just love the way it made me feel. Just helping with definitely relaxation, anxiety, helping me sleep better and just, you know, unwind and, and take take pressure off so it was still something though that i would not openly use or openly talk about and then as i got further along my journey i kind of went through a deeper spiritual awakening i talk about this in great detail in my memoir the journey of unbecoming and during that spiritual awakening you know again i was struggling with cannabis and at one point my whole life was falling apart and I was trying to find a reason why. And I'm like, see, it's because you smoking weed. Or, like, I'm blaming it on this. Like, it really has nothing to do with that. So, again, I tried to force myself to stop. And I'm like, I prefer to do it. So then I said, let me educate myself on it. Let me really learn about it. Mm-hmm. And the moment I started educating myself, the the whole stigma I had shattered because I realized like wasn't true. everything we've ever publicly been told about this is a lie. Mm-hmm. Like our ancestors used it. This is traced back to the oldest medical book in history that every population of people uses this. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter your color, your age. Mm-hmm. You know, when I found out why women used to smoke joints while delivering babies that, you know, you could go into the pharmacy up until the forties when it was outlawed here. And get it. You didn't need a prescription or nothing for it. So it's like, this is natural. It's safe. And to me, it was like the same feeling I got when I started learning about nutrition and realizing like, damn, everything we've been told about being healthy for the most part isn't true. It was the same thing with cannabis. So it just clicked. And I just kind of fell in love with it and just kept educating myself and realizing like, wow, this can help so many people with so many different things. Then I started learning about CBD and getting knowledgeable about that because CBD was what was kind of buzzing. It was the legal part of it. And it's like, okay, people anywhere can have access to this. So that's when I started really educating myself more on the different cannabinoids found in the cannabis plant and really learning about CBD. And me being a health coach, I had been a holistic health coach at that time for like five plus years. So I had worked with so many women during that time. And, you know, when you are in the space of coaching people, people share intimate details with you. So really understanding the kind of pain and struggle that Mm -hmm. so many black women are in when it comes to health and knowing that black women have more health issues than any other demographic on this earth. And so I just thought, let me introduce this plant to my audience and let me not do it in a way that I saw a lot of other people doing it i'm like i have to let people know that i do this that's right that is okay that is nothing to be ashamed of that you can be a mother you can be professional you can be a ceo a lawyer a nurse it doesn't matter it's okay like this is safe and okay for us all to use and you don't have to feel a way about it you know this should be a normal part of the conversation if it's normal to smoke a cigarette if it's normal to drink alcohol if it's normal to eat fast food, all these things that can actually kill you. Kill you. Yep. Why is it taboo for us to talk about this? Why is it taboo for us to say we enjoy this? Like, this doesn't make you a bad mother. This doesn't make you a bad person. You can go to church and still light up. You can yeah. be into meditation and spirituality and still light up. So 
that was my thing. And, you know, the moment I did it, I still remember it. I was, I was nervous. I'm not going to lie because I had never publicly put that out there. Like, right. you know, my real stance right. on cannabis. And when I first got into entrepreneurship, especially the online business part, I was involved in a lot of different coaching circles. And so, you know, in those type of circles I was in, it was a lot of judgment against that type of stuff, you know? So again, I, kind of felt like I wasn't fully being who I was. Mm. But after kind of going through my spiritual awakening journey, I just knew that I got to be authentic no matter what. Like, that's it. Be who I am authentically and whoever is meant to resonate me from that message point will. I'm not going to be for everybody and that's okay. But I still remember I posted a video and so many people commented on the video. People emailed me, people DM me and said, thank you so much for speaking out. Like, Mm-hmm. Oh my God, like I'm currently in that phase where I'm I'm scared to talk about it. I have to hide it. My parents don't even know I do it. And so my goal is like, look, each one to each one. If, if you're willing to open up about you doing it, other women are going to look at you and say, hey, well, let me see what this is all about. Right. And I've had testimonies from people that uh, one of my, um one of my aunts, you know, she talked, she sent me a testimony because she has Lyme disease and mm-hmm has had it for over 20 years and nothing has ever helped her with her symptoms until she got introduced to cannabis. And she literally said she had to get down on her knees and ask God for forgiveness for how harshly she judged people who use it in the past. Wow. So I started getting people saying that type of stuff. Like, wow. And so many people just saying, thank you for speaking out about it. Like, it's something I never considered trying, but when you got people in pain, you got people stressed out. And all these nets, all these medications that's that's ruining their body. Exactly. So people are like, thank you. I never even would have considered it. But now I have something that's effective, it's natural, it's no side effects. You know what I'm saying? And it makes me feel good. So, you know, that was really just my goal. Just, you know, be authentic, speak out and try to, you know, just make people aware, aware that this is an option, you know? When you released and said, okay, I'm going to put this out there, how did you feel? I felt very free and liberated. And I knew it was the right thing because I felt really good doing it. And I actually had some people who questioned it. Like, mm-hmm. why are you, uh, you know, all of a sudden, why are you posting yourself smoking? Like, you don't think that's going to ruin opportunities for me for for you in the future. And I'm like, listen, I'm my own person. I'm creating my own opportunities. I can't be worried about how I look to anybody else. Like I'm, I'm me. This is what I do. I do this on a daily Mm -hmm. all day. Mm -hmm. So I can't, I'm not going to pretend like it's any other way. You know, it is what it is. I can't ruin. I'm like opportunities that are meant for me are already mine. So it's ruining a future opportunity. Based on me being who I am authentically, if I can't be who I am, I don't want that opportunity. So that's that my mindset. I am so glad you said that. If I can't be who I am, then I don't want that opportunity. That should oh, that's an amazing right. quote. That's, that's an amazing quote. We need to write that one down, right? We need to write that one down. <laughs> write right. that I'm one down. I'm about to write that one down right now. I'm going to take a note of that one. Write that's it down. How I feel. Right now. If I can be who I am, then I don't want that opportunity. Right? Yeah. And that's that's how I live my life. Keep it. I wasn't am- like I like I got chills in the back of my neck because <laughs> it was like, right. What is the purpose of doing business with anyone who does not accept me for who I am? What's right. the point? What's the point? 
So those people that a lot of people live in life from that perspective, and it's it's a disservice to who you are. If you were not strong, and if you were not comfortable in the skin that you're in, and comfortable with the reflection you see in the mirror, you would not have been able to get where you are today because you allowed what those people said to you to control your narrative of who you are and how you're moving for you and for your business. That's right. And so that happens a lot when people are living life for other people and you, when you're concerned about what people are going to think or what they're going to say. You know, I used to live from that space too. And then I had to just really tap in and realize like I'm walking on this journey. I'm me. Like what's for me is for me. I have to be authentic to who I am. And it's such a freeing thing when you can live life that much on purpose to where you're totally tuned into your purpose your passion and you're not concerned about what anybody else is saying like to me that's the most liberating thing ever and cannabis helped me come to that like it was like you got to really step into this because I had I had already put out into the universe that I wanted to be in, in the cannabis space probably like five years ago I didn't even know how I just wow. knew that it was going to be a thing. You know, I knew like this is going to be something that we're going to see unfold like in our lifetimes. You know what I'm saying? So I knew when more states started going like uh, recreate, started going uh, medicinal and then once California like opened up, you know, like back then I was like, yeah, I want to get into the cannabis space, but I didn't even know how back then. Like, right. I didn't quite know how, but I knew like that's that's what I want to really be in. Like I could totally just be myself. Like I just kind of had this thought in the back of my mind. Wow. Not knowing when I was going to get into it or how. And it really, to be honest, how I got into it came to me when I was at really one of my like lowest points. Like I was kind of down bad and just, so I would say spiritually I was in a good place, but financially, like I had lost pretty much everything you know I was kind of digging myself out of a hole but I was still kind of keeping myself tuned in internally and that's where so many things came to me like this is how you do it this is who you know I knew who I wanted to address my message with and so it came to me yeah during those moments and it's like cannabis is what helped me step into my authenticity to be honest it's amazing when you listen to your inner self mm-hmm. and you get to, and we've all been there to your bottom, whatever that is, and you don't fold. Right. <laughs> you get deep down there and you don't Boy, fold. down there, right. But you, you don't throw the towel. You say, no, yep. I'm going to stick with this. This That's somehow it. is my purpose on what I should be doing. And it Absolutely. happens so organically for you. You said Absolutely. that you were a teen mom, so was I. Uh, okay. I'm a teen mom. I'm like, I'm not far. I mean, I'm 44. My daughter's 24. Okay. Wow. So yep. We're very close in age. Um, and it's amazing. Uh, thank you so <laughs> People much. People probably think y'all are sisters, huh? Sometimes they do uh, on a very good day <laughs> that I have a lot of rest. <laughs> but I will say, how was that for you? Um, being a teen mom, because I really don't think moms like us get enough credit because we were, we were kids ourselves raising kids, oh, yep. right? And yeah. 
just tell me when you look back at that moment, what do you say? What do you say to yourself? Now I say, wow, because it's unbelievable. And my son is 18. So now I'm like, I can look at him and say, wow, at your age, I had a one year, you were on my hip. Like, and I look at too for how young my son still is. Like you really get to see like 17 and 18. You don't know anything. You are so young. So I used to, I you I didn't really have it in proper perspective, to be honest, until like more recent years. Like I never really sat back and thought about that journey. It's to be honest, until I started writing my memoir and it's like, how did I do it? Like, and I had to really be a mom. I didn't have a mom. Like some women get pregnant young and their mother or grandmother, right? It's like, oh, I raised my son. I, I was always financially responsible for my son. There was never a time anybody raised him for me. He never went to live with people. He, he was with me the whole time he came up, right? So when I think back on it, it was just sheer will, you know, because for one, I knew young when I had him, I said to myself, I will not repeat this. This is it, you know? And to this day, still have my one son. And a lot of people thought like, how you want? And I'm like, no. You know, I told myself that I would not allow it to be a crutch. It, it can't be an excuse for not being ambitious or pursuing my goals. And, you know, when I was young, I was against, I'm like, I'm not going to get on Section 8 and welfare. Like, I'm going to figure it out. Like, so I did. And I talked more in depth about that journey in my memoir. But, you know, I was an exotic dancer for four years. The whole time I was in college, that's how I supported myself. It's something my son never knew. He didn't know until last year when I wrote, decided to write the book. You but know, um, that is it was it was hard, and I, I I got through it. It didn't seem hard at the time, but when I think back on, I was twenty one years old, and I was running a whole household. I was going to school full time. I was in the club, and at one point, I was in the club, and I was also working. Uh, for Delta. So wow. I was just doing a lot. My son always played sports. He was always involved in extracurricular activities. And I was the mom that overcompensated because his dad was in his life, but he wasn't consistent. You know, his dad, my son's dad's family was amazing, but his dad specifically, he wasn't consistent. So, you know, he would make broken promises. My son would be like distraught. So my son had everything, every toy, every game, every name brand shoe. Like I went, be over and beyond for him for that right so when I think back on it sometimes I'm like I don't even know how I did it like I just did it I just put it on my shoulders and I was like let's go and it was definitely it was definitely hard and being young makes it harder because you know I started tuning into myself and really evolving and expanding when I was in my late 20s like 29 so my son was already in middle school so the majority, you know, of the time I was raising him up to that point, I was very unaware. I was young. I was caught up. I was, you know, living life to go shopping and to party and to travel. And I wasn't rooted in anything, anything solid, you know, that I was just living kind of um, fast, very caught up in materialism. You know, a lot of what we see going on with the younger people like on, on social media. So that was me. You know, I had to have designer this, designer that. I had to be at the mall every week. So 
we ate out all the time, terrible eating habits. So that was how I was living my life. And, you know, I once I started learning about the mind and consciousness and programming, you know, it's like, God, this is why it's a terrible idea to have a child young because my son was exposed to so much stuff. And just because I was a kid raising a kid right. and not knowing any better, not understanding that he's going to what what he's exposed to young is going to shape who he is. Mm-hmm as he gets older so you know i think back on so many things how we ate the kind of music i listened to all the time in the car Mm -hmm. um i never brought like i never really brought people around my son like that so you know i was never that mom who was dealing with a whole bunch of different people i was kind of in the same relationship the whole time with my son uh, with my ex-husband for the most part but even um you know, everything. And me, I used to have a really quick temper. You know, I was the one to go I off. <laughs> I was the sister that you call when it's when it's time to go down. So very aggressive, very, very trained to go, very quick to just blow up. Like I had an explosive temper. So my son saw that a lot. And so it's just the materialism, you know. And I'm, I'm wondering, like, now that I'm aware and I'm not hooked on all this stuff, mm-hmm. it's like, God, leave. Why are you so addicted to this? But it's like, this is what you exposed him to. You know, you were buying him. He was starting school with five, six pairs of shoes. You know. Name brand everything. At the age of two, he's wearing all name brand clothes. It's just, it was just ridiculous not knowing any better. It's like your accountability. <laughs> um, you sound like me when I talk about when I look back at being a teen mom <laughs> raising my daughter. But the accountability that you have, something you said to me that's key. If this is what we showed them, you know, giving them everything and name brand and nice vacations or whatever, this is what we taught our kids. This is the lifestyle we gave them. Yep. This is the expectations they have because we gave it to them. Yep. The accountability that it takes for a parent to say that to me is huge. I find with my generation of parents in, in that age group, they, it's not much accountability. But for you to be a woman of your young age to know, no, if my son has this habit of liking nice things, because that's what I taught him. That's what I told him. That's growth right there. That you're able to pinpoint it, keep it just like that. (laughs) Know what it is. No, because a lot of parents, a lot of us will say, I don't know where the hell they got that from. It's like, no, bitch. Right. And I kind of saw that with, with my mom where she would look at the condition of, you know, I come from a big family of seven of us, so her looking at certain of, you know, particular siblings of mine, I just don't know why. And I'm like, you don't? Like, you don't see yourself in any of this? Like, I I can connect the dots perfectly. I know exactly why he or she is doing that. Look at what they were exposed to at this age. So, you know, you realize that nothing gets passed and mm-hmm. we kind of want to think, oh, if kids are exposed to things when they're young, they forget. But it's like subconsciously they don't. They don't. That is what shapes them. That is what molds them into who they become. So, yeah, the materialism, the, the aggressive behavior like me, I was always a rebel. Like I'm always kind of have been going against the grain, like always been really entrepreneurial. And it's like my son does have a lot of my qualities on the good side but he had a lot of my qualities on the bad side you know the the aggressive behavior I was I was really impatient as a mom Mm -hmm. like you know I used to just do everything for my son because I didn't have the patience to teach him to do it or to allow him 
mm-hmm. to learn. So as he gets older, it's like, well, damn, why he don't want to do? It's like, well, you didn't make him do nothing as a kid. You didn't have the patience to allow him to help you cook. You didn't have the patience to uh, teach him how to properly clean his bathroom. You would just do everything yourself to get it over with really quick. So, you know, you realize like all of that stuff molds your, your children. And so, you know, I write about this in my book. Like even right now, we are still going through damage control. Like we are going through a whole unlearning phase. Like me and my son had to my son had to get to know me at the level that I am now, not the 21, 22 year old mom that I was. Right. And me being able to have his ear enough to explain to him, you know, a lot of things just because you saw it or, you you know, it's, it's not it's not cool. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want you to go on this path. You know, let's reel some of this in. And he is definitely taking heed to it. He's open to it. He's reading books. He's working on himself. You know, so we are just really going through this damage control process because, like I said, the first 12 years of his life, I was um, a kid who was unaware for the most part. So. No, um, Kiba, you, you listen, you did a great job. <laughs> Thank you. You didn't throw in a tight towel on your son. You didn't give it somebody, give your child to someone else to raise. You didn't. Right. And that's what I say to myself. I am by far the perfect mom. I curse. I yell. I fight. scream. I do all types of fuck shit. And I can say it because when you can sit down with a 24 year old child and, and say you went to the best schools, you went to the best private schools, you went to the best university, you traveled the fucking world. You've been to constantly with countries I haven't been to. Yep. But with the flip side, I can say and the dysfunction. <laughs> That you sometimes saw, I understand. Yep. I understand. I made that choice and I did that to you. So I I love how you take accountability, but I got to stop and say, no, don't beat yourself up. You work with what you got. Exactly. And you stood there and you raised your child as a young mom and you did a great, fantastic job. You know? Thank you. Thank you. You're an entrepreneur. You didn't give up on yourself, even though when it got hard, you stayed true to who you were. That in itself is teaching him something huge. Right. And I think now too, you know, I think all things happen for a reason, you know, for whatever reason, I was able to handle that situation. And, you know, being a team mom is extremely hard. I don't judge anybody who did have to have somebody else raise their child or women who get caught in that cycle of repeating it because most women who have a child as a teenager, you know, I'm pretty sure somebody told you too, you would end up with five kids by the time you're 25. Yes, they did. That is the the statistic. And I was like, that's not going to be me. So a lot of people will will count you out. They'll count your child out, you know? Yeah, you already predicting that my son is going to be X, Y, Z. It's like, wow. Yeah, a lot of people didn't think my son would graduate. I'm like, why did you think he wouldn't graduate? Like, my son saw he was at my college graduation. Like, he was on my hip. I nursed him right before I went to my high school graduation. Like, why did you like? But people just assumed, especially raising a son, it's like, oh, they just think, well, he's not going to be shit, basically. Right. Right. But um. You know, I, I know my son has seen every level and even now with me being an entrepreneur, you know, my son is entrepreneurial. It's in his nature. So I'm showing him this is what it takes. 
none of this is easy. Like you got to have passion. You got to have purpose. You got to have work ethic about yourself. And no matter how successful I become, yes, I'm going to help you along the way, but you're going to be your own man. You're going to know how to provide and, and create something out of nothing for your own self too. Just like I did. I didn't have any examples of entrepreneurs um, to look to, to be honest, even with, in my generation, in my family, I'm the only one. I'm like, well, on my um, mom's side, which is the side that I was around growing up, my father was in prison at, when I was a kid. So his family is, is originally from Memphis and Los Angeles. So we weren't around my father's family, but I do have a lot of cousins my age on my dad's side who are entrepreneurial. They own their own businesses. And I'm, I'm close with them, you know, because we can vibe, we can talk. But the family that I was raised with, I was raised around my mom's family and you know with my siblings and it's like I'm the only one that's into entrepreneurship into what I'm into right. I would even dare to say the only person that's interested in, in accumulating generational wealth and really pushing it to the max yeah. you know really taking us there to a whole nother stratosphere so you know that it it, it definitely um definitely is a journey that I'm still on, still learning every day. And, you know, I just want my sons, you know, you got to be the example. You got to be the example. You know, the young girls listening to this podcast, the young moms, you know, I just want you to, to hear Kiva and receive what she was saying. It's not easy. Uh, and she knew she did not want to have more children because just like me, you know, I have two kids, but my kids are 10 years apart. And there's yeah. a reason because mm-hmm. I, my parents have six of us. I saw my mom struggle with six kids. And right. My sister died. My mom had to raise her two kids. So I know what it's like. And I never wanted that for myself. Right. Right. So when I had my daughter, I was like, I'm done. I'm never doing this again because here I am a 19 year old with a baby. I'm a baby myself. Right. And of course, all my friends are in college away. They're yeah. traveling. They're going to freak Nick in Atlanta. You know, they doing all these things. And here I am raising this child. Yeah. Right. But at the end of the day, I said she didn't ask to be here. We make a decision to bring life into the world and we have to go through those sacrifices to get Absolutely. to the child what that child needs. But it Absolutely. doesn't mean your life is over and you are living proof. That your life is not over. You still could have your dream job. You still could be an entrepreneur. You just have to make sacrifices and do yep. the work. You know? And get your priorities together. And like you said, you can never look at your child as a burden. I never did that. My my son was always sheer motivation. Like, I have to get this shit done because I have somebody depending on me. And if I don't do it, who's going to do it? That was so I never regret. Oh, God, what? I could be doing this feels like I, I never had that mindset and it was hard but at the same time like I had to be a responsible person at a very young age so you know I have sisters that are younger than me and they don't have kids so I've got to witness my sister right above me was also a teen mom so we kind of had our paths kind of like paralleled a little bit mm-hmm. With my younger sisters, though, you, it's like, wow, you get to really see how 
it is to be a carefree 20 something year old and you realize how young you still are in your 20s and that you don't even start figuring out life or the bigger picture i think until like for me i was 29 when the lights like really clicked exactly. all the way on yeah so i was so unaware i'm like you're young you're a baby you don't know nothing about nothing but um Wow, You know, it, it doesn't mean your life is over. For me, on the upside, I would say I had to be organized. I had to learn how to run a household, how to budget my money, how to be on a schedule. How, you know, I had to learn those things very young. And so those things have definitely helped me as an entrepreneur and as a business owner, because, you know, I had to be a self-motivated person, too. Like, like I said, I was never relying on the system and I don't judge anybody who is because there were times on my journey where I did right. um get on welfare but I always felt the way about it like it was ne- I was never okay with oh I'm just getting food stamps and I was never willing to go get on section eight I'm like no nah, I gotta figure this out and I don't want that to be a crutch because we don't realize it sometimes but a lot of times relying on things like that is like a, it can be an invisible crutch that's keeping you from really tapping into your full potential and i've seen it happen like this is why a lot of times it's generational it's perpetual because it's a mindset right and i saw that in my family like well damn my grandmother was getting food stamps Mm -hmm. my mom is getting food like Mm -hmm. this is a cycle it's a mindset it it is something that is regurgitated and you know i love my family to death but you know, just in the back, like it's too many smart people who are not tapping into who they really are or their full potential. And so I just never have been one to make excuses or, um, you know, depend on like, I just didn't want to, I don't know. I just, that was just my mindset. I don't want to have to depend on this to, to be able to figure it out. And, you know, you know, you had that, you have the, you've had from even back then when you were a teen mom, and even prior, prior to having your son, you've always been an entrepreneur. You always had it in your mind. So it's not shocking that this is where you are today. You always had, no, this is not going to be the way. You right. Always, I don't mind taking a little help, but no, this is not, but this is not the way because this is what I want, right? Mm-hmm. You was always keeping your eye on the prize. And this is the difference between those who make it and who don't. You take right. your eye off the prize. You can't take your eye off from the prize because that means you're going to take your eye off yourself, right? That's right. So I'm just, I'm in, like I said to you, I'm in, I'm really taken back because you were a teen mom like I was and you didn't give up, you know? You found your purpose. You found your calling. You realized, listen, you know, my body's a temple. I got to watch what I'm putting in my body. Absolutely. Only I can control that. And now you're teaching other women to do the same thing. By yep. sharing your story, that is the jewel. That is the gift. I have gone through Very it. Sorry. So you don't got to go through it. Because I'm going to tell you what I did and how hard it was. Right. So you yeah. can't be ashamed of your story either. Right. And that's something that, you know, I had to learn. First, when I first got into health and wellness, I will say, you know, I've always been a more introverted person, like very shy, very... You know, I don't like being in the spotlight. You know, I'm the one to walk in a room. I'm a duck off. In a, I'm a duck off in a little uh-huh. corner somewhere. You know what I'm saying? I'm gonna sit back and, and observe what's going on. So, 
public speaking was probably one of my biggest fears. But when I got into health and wellness for myself, I just started sharing my journey. And that's really how I became like a health coach. I wasn't even really. It was never a plan. It was just me sharing something I had passion for, something I was doing for myself and wanting people to just know about it. Like, hey, I'm doing this. You should be doing this, too. Like that was kind of the mindset. I was a hairstylist. That was how I got into entrepreneurship. I was a natural hairstylist. Um, went to college, graduated, got my degree in business economics, and just new senior year, last semester, like, there's no way I'm going to corporate. I'm going to do my own thing. Wow. And decided not to go to grad school. People thought I was crazy. And I said, hmm, technology, you know, back then, in my mind, something told me, see, technology is coming. And hair, that's something that a robot will never be able to do. People will always want to go to a hairstylist. Something that I always liked as a kid it was something I, I wanted to do but it wasn't really an industry that people thought was you were like a deadbeat woman if you wanted to be a hairstylist so at a very young age I realized like wow people don't that's that's not a career path people support but it was something I always enjoyed like I was a household hairstylist so after college I was like I'm gonna go to cosmetology school because I can work for myself I knew by that time that hair wasn't my real passion. It was just going to allow me to work for myself. So I did that, finished it, started building clientele. And then I started getting into the health for myself. And it really started with me sharing information with my hair clients. My hair clients was my first coaching clients. But I knew that I would have to start speaking out at some point, sharing my story. And it was scary, like, you know, because... My story wasn't a pretty story. Like, I broke my ankle. I was in a bad marriage. That's how I got into health and wellness, because I was miserable and needed to change something. And something came to me in my sleep and told me exactly what I had to change. And if you just do that, it was basically like, everything is going to come together. Just do this. And that's where people say, well, how did you get into health and wellness? I'd be like, I got placed here. This was some divine intervention that happened, like. And the way it happened, I'm like, that's why for me, I'm like, this is passion. This is purpose. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. So I just went with it. And it just has continued to unfold and morph. And this is like I said, I thought back in the day, if you would have asked me, like, what are you going to be doing? I thought I would be like a CEO of Fortune 500 company or CEO of like a high fashion um, magazine, like an Anna Wintour type. Like I thought I saw myself in a high power position like that. That was what I thought my dream was, you know, I knew I wanted to be a wealthy person and have my own, but I thought, okay, I'm going to work for a corporation for a while, get some experience, work my way up to a high powered spot. And then I'm going to do my own thing. And, you know, I feel like the universe um, and the creator has uh, their own plan for you. (laughs) That's right. And that's why you got to be flexible. I was willing to go with it. I was like, all right, my gut told me to go. I just, went and my whole life transformed literally you know this podcast is going to be so uplifting to (laughs) young moms but to married women who are in situations that they know are unhealthy and they should not be in it's going to talk to the entrepreneur it's going to talk to the single woman it's going to talk every part and I, i have not even touched on the book so <laughs> part of your story is relatable. Mm-hmm. You know, you knew that you could have been the CEO of a Fortune 500. You knew that. But that is not what your purpose was. 
Right. And the world kept aligning with what your purpose was. Mm -hmm. And you listened. You allowed that inner person that talks to you, you listened. Many of us, Kiva, don't listen. Right. And that inner voice is always right. It's always what I've learned now in hindsight, because when you're going through this type of stuff, when you're just on the journey and going with it, you can't really connect the dots. But now I can go back and connect certain dots. And it's like, this thing is always in you, tugging, pulling you. And to be honest, the health and wellness journey didn't really start when I was 29. That is when I aligned with it. That's when I tapped into it. But the first paper I wrote in college, um, we were told to pick a, a controversial topic to talk about. And I don't know why, how this popped into my head. I don't even know where it came from. But I wrote my paper on obesity and how it disproportionately affected black people. So Wow. That paper, I got a 100 on. And my professor said he never gave a freshman an A before and that he never had anybody write about that. Wow. He like, had me present the paper in front of the class. So that information, the seeds were planted really when I was like, that was when I was 20 years old. So wow. it took nine years for me. It took nine years me being in a toxic, unhealthy marriage that I knew I uh, needed to get out of. And I feel like, Breaking my ankle was literally the universe sitting me down. Like, you need to sit down and be because yeah. we need you to tap in right now. And that is how it happened, you know. And what catapulted me into healthy eating, living was that paper popped into my mind. I had never thought about it. Wow. Popped into my head. And that's how it unfolded. It, it was just insane. Like, when I think back, I'm, I'm just like, wow. Like, yeah. So it gives me chills sometimes when I think back. Like that is insane how the dots really all connected in that every piece. You know, this is the path that I'm supposed to be on. Every piece of that story and that journey of that your nine years and beyond was a puzzle. Exactly. And with with anything missing, it wouldn't have worked out this way. That's it. You see, your son, right? Although before him, there's things that happened that were still forming you, but your son was the catalyst. Absolutely. And he was having that motivation. That's what, and for any of my young moms out there, that's how you got to look at it. Don't look at your situation as a burden. Let that be your motivation. That That is the thing that has always kept me going forward. Like I got this person dependent on me. Like I have to do this. Like I got to figure it out, you know? I got to make sure he's good at the end of the day. So it's always been the thing um, compelling me and, you know, keeping me a level of um, like a lot of people younger in age, you're, you you get reckless with certain things. I think having a son helped me stay, stay on the path when it came to a lot of things like knowing like, you know, I have a son. I can't, I can't be getting into stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, I was in the club, but even how I handled myself in the club, like I never carried myself like I was in the strip club. Most people didn't even know I was a dancer. Like I kept it so low key and I totally detached it from my personal life. You know what I'm saying? To where I didn't do a bunch of mixing and mingling. I didn't date guys from the club. You know, I kept it real low key. I was tunnel vision. When I walked in the door, mm-hmm. I'm making my money. I'm leaving. I don't hang out at the club. I don't drink. I don't smoke. I'm about one thing only when I come in here and it's making my money and leaving. So 
you know, having a son kept me, you know, like I said, kept me from being super reckless. Like I was never into drugs mm-hmm. heavy. I was never a drinker, never, you know, I would go out sometimes with my girls, but I was never into like crazy, insane partying. I just didn't get, I didn't get super reckless. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I, I, I wasn't, I didn't deal with a bunch of men. Like I didn't have men around my son. Like, no, nobody wanna come into my spot. Like right. I was just always low key and had a, a um a, a sense of kind of wanting to shelter him a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Like Yeah. And that was your job to protect him. Mm-hmm. And and I hope the listeners um and the young moms that's listening to this are 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 really taking this in. You said something that's very key, Kiva. I wanted to shelter my son. Mm-hmm. And it was my responsibility on who I brought around my son, who I brought in my home. Because the love that we have for our children, we have to understand that person's not going to have the same love. Exactly. And not saying that they would do anything to your kid, but I'm just saying the chance of somebody outside that you brought in harming your kid are high. And yeah. I was overprotective too, like. You know, when he played sports, I was at every practice the whole time. There was no drop offs. I'm sitting there. I'm sitting there the whole time. I'm at every game. If he's, I remember he spent the night, his football team had a sleepover. And my son, we grew up in a county. He played sports where the team was, uh, you might have three, four black boys on the team, but it's predominantly, it's predominantly white. So, not saying, you know, I don't have anything against white people, I have white people in my family, but when you're black growing up, Especially in my family, you learn a level of distrust when it comes to dealing with white people, right? Yeah. So I remember him going to a sleepover, and I was—I remember pulling him off to the side, like, "Listen, mm-hmm. don't let nobody take you off to no straight rooms. You yeah. listen, call me." I was there at seven o'clock in the morning to pick him up, so I was right. always—he couldn't just do stuff, you know. And I never was in the mindset of I'm trying to get rid of my son. I'm trying to put him off so I can. No, my son spent the night with, he's either at my mom's house or his great-grandmother's house on his dad's side. That was, for the most part, the places where he spent the night. If he was spending the night with friends, I knew their mom. I knew who they were. Like, it was never a time where, you know, I just was always overprotective about that kind of stuff. If my son was into an extracurricular activity, I was there. Like, I'm going to be at every practice. In every game, you know, giving him support, you know, because I knew that that was something that was important. That was something that it was a lot of us growing up. So it was a lot of things that my mom didn't do. You know, she had seven kids. She raised seven kids on her own for the most part. Seven plus kids because people always live with us, too. And so, you know, my mom wouldn't come to no game. She was not picking you up for practice. Like, that, it just wasn't happening. You had to figure it out. (laughs) So I hope our parents sometimes even things that they do, because I've gone through this with my mom, how we show up differently for our kids. Exactly. Because we know there's certain things that just, we, we know they couldn't help it and they not, didn't, in the situation they were in, they didn't have a choice. Right. But how we wanted to be different for our kids and how we wanted to show up for their games because we know that that's something kids will always remember. Right. And I, and I took note of that. I watched my mom, you know, and me and my mom had a difficult relationship. I write about it in depth in my memoir. You know, me and my mom didn't have a typical mother and daughter. Like, mm-hmm. I was never emotionally close to my mom. Like, grew, you know, she raised me most 
all of my siblings had a close relationship with her, but I did not. I was always like the black sheep for to be artist. I am too. And, um, <laughs> you know, I grew up with a lot of resentment toward my mom, and I grew up and not forgiving my mom for everything. I love my mom to death, and mm-hmm. know that she did the best she could mm-hmm. with the programming she had and the experiences and traumas that she went through. But as a young kid, of course, I didn't know it. I didn't know any of this, and I didn't even understand why or how she moved the way she moved. But as a young kid, I just kind of observed like my mom put she. She didn't do a lot of stuff. Like, we had to figure stuff out young. Like, when I was in eighth grade, my mom told me she wasn't buying me school clothes anymore. And she never did again, you know? Mm-hmm. And to her, that was that was cool. Right. You know, well, my mom did it to me. So, this this is it. You know, my mom, I my mom, I can't go to my mom and say, Mom, help me fill out this form. I had to fill that shit out myself. I used to fill out all my siblings' school papers because I knew how to write just like her. So, you know... I had to really figure out a lot of things and it wasn't a lot of guidance, I would say. I, I would say we kind of raised ourselves in a lot of ways. You know, my mom was there. She kept a roof over our head, but we cooked. We went grocery shopping. Um, we babysit the, the younger siblings. Like, that's how our household ran. So and we got exposed to a lot of things. There was no filtering. Like, we knew everything. Every, like, you know, in some families, the kids don't really know what's going on. We knew every damn thing. Mm-hmm. Like it was all in the mix. So, and we thought it was normal. You know, this is just it. You know, a lot of people in my family were incarcerated, like mass incarceration. I have an uncle doing life in prison. My dad was in prison for twenty years. So, mm-hmm. that was a, a part of my upbringing and childhood. And I just start, took note at a young age and start things. I'm like, I never want to experience this. So, you know, and I didn't. Mm-hmm. Just. Also, being on welfare, being broke, and and having to rob uh, Peter to pay Paul to get by, like, that was what the kind of life that we lived for the most part, you know, it was never excess, never, my mom bought all generic food, Um, you know, it just, that was how it was, and so I'm like, in my mind, as a a young person, I could not Understand. understand how people get complacent like how can you be oh how can this just be it like this this can't be it that was my mindset so I just always had a very big vision mm-hmm. and always wanted um you know huge things like my mind has always been very abundant and I just kind of observed how I grew up and knew like this ain't what I want for myself you know mm-hmm. and just didn't know how I was gonna do my thing differently but just knew like this is not gonna be my path like I gotta really for one live life to the fullest mm-hmm. I want to be happy doing what I'm doing I just don't want to get by you know mm-hmm. I don't want to just be getting by no check to check you want to live abundantly exactly exactly it's you know Kiva I want to ask you this for all our listeners listening today who want to be an entrepreneur who have a couple of children or one child at home what would you leave us with? What would you say they should hold on to to get to the other side of where you are? Well, you have to hold on to who you are. I feel like getting to know yourself on a deeper level is the most valuable thing you can do as an entrepreneur to really figure out who you are. What do you really have passion for? And once you tap into that, you stay rooted in it no matter what. You know, entrepreneurship in my opinion, is a gift. It's a gift to be an entrepreneur. It is something that I really feel like you are 
you're born to do it or you're not. You got to understand entrepreneurs play a huge role. Like we create jobs, we innovate, we tra- we blaze trails. We have to be willing to go left when everybody else is going right. So it is a gift and it is not for the faint of heart, but it's possible for anybody who understands that it's a process and you got to trust it and no, it's not going to happen overnight. And yes, you will work harder for yourself than you ever worked for anybody else, but it's going to be worth it, especially when it's something that you have passion for. But, you know, for me, how they, they're saying it takes 10 years to become an overnight success. Mm-hmm. That has been my path. You know, I got into entrepreneurship in 20, full time in 2012, you know, just figuring it out, kind of sticking my toe in different things. But everything has been centered around kind of the same space. I started off, a lot of times health and beauty are combined. So I started off in in the beauty industry. That led me into the health industry. And I've kind of worked my way around so many different aspects of being in health and wellness until I really found my my real lane. And that's okay. You don't got to figure out everything overnight. You got to just keep taking steps toward the passion. Find the passion. Don't try to chase money. Like that is the the biggest thing because if you're trying to chase money you're going to always be chasing it is never you're going to always be one step behind mm-hmm. you know when you get aligned with who you are when you get aligned with passion and purpose stay rooted in that and the money will come it is going to be the last thing to come so that's a that's a quote they say the money is the last thing to come when you're an entrepreneur so yes you're going to have to put in work mm-hmm. you know show up for yourself and know that it's a process, but if you stay rooted in it, it, it you know, if you plant a seed, it's not gonna, um, you know, it's not gonna sprout that day. But if you do your due diligence and you know when harvest time comes, it's gonna be it's gonna be time to eat. Mm. So I would say find what you really have passion for because if you don't have passion for it, once it gets too hard, you're gonna quit. Mm. You know, I started off on this path in 2012, and I have made a lot of money. I've gone broke and lost everything more than one time, you know, just a little bit. Like just two years ago, I got myself into a huge financial mess, you know, that I had to dig. It was the lowest point I ever hit really financially. Had to start all the way over, completely change my business up. So, you know, you go through things. It's a, it's a cycle, but once you really get in your lane, you know, and you get aligned, things start lining up for and that's something that you got to remember. If you just take the steps, you don't got to know the how. The how is really none of your business. Like that's where faith and believing in in the universal laws and powers that govern this whole thing work. And knowing that if you just take steps toward it, mm-hmm. the next step is going to keep reappearing. It's going to keep appearing for you. Just keep going toward it, and don't let people talk you out of it. Like you got to have a bulletproof mindset because again, being an entrepreneur is a, is a gift. People who are not entrepreneurial minded, they are not going to understand you. And that's okay. You got to find your tribe. I recommend joining coaching communities, joining Facebook groups and places where you can vibe with other people that are entrepreneurial because y'all can feed up of each other, bounce ideas. I'm really big on coaching and personal development. I believe every entrepreneur should get business coaching in the space they're trying to go into. It's foolish to try to do it by yourself. 
you know, get a blueprint from somebody who's already done it. So I'm big on that. And that's something that I had to find out on my own. I received like that. First, I received like, that from you today. Kiva. I'm like the first generation entrepreneur. So I had to figure out, oh, I need coaching. I was trying to do it on my own, not knowing nothing about nothing. So get somebody who's already successfully doing it. See, they have a coaching program, you know. It's, it's very, it's very, very, very valuable and you need to know that. So, but I think it's possible for everybody. And I feel like even if you don't want to pursue entrepreneurship mm-hmm. full time, say you have a job that you love, start a business at home, no matter what. So you're in complete control of at least one stream of revenue for yourself. But it's definitely possible for anybody, especially with the age that we're in now. Mm-hmm. I suggest digital entrepreneurship for everybody. Start a digital business. Use technology. You know, brick and mortar is going away. So you got to pay attention to trends and be flexible and be open. When I first got into entrepreneurship, you know, I wasn't quite thinking about the online side. I had a vision of doing things offline. And I met somebody who exposed me to a whole world I didn't know anything about. And that was the digital world. This was back in 2014. And it completely shifted my whole perspective and perception. And so... It's very easy. Starting an online business is no barrier to enter. You can start a business right now. You don't need permission. You can start a business right now. And you can also take anything that you love and monetize it online. If you love art, if you love makeup, if you love... It's people out here that are making tons of money on in very niche spaces. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the marketers I follow is a guy named Russell Brunson. He made his first million online teaching people how to make potato guns. So oh my God. you can really carve out your own space. Right. Use social media to your advantage. It's a free tool mm-hmm. where you can literally directly communicate with your audience. So it is something that we all can use. So it's it's to me, the sky is the limit when it comes to online business. Anybody can do it. Anybody can get into it. So I say, for one, find what you have passion for. Stop trying to chase money because that's the biggest mistake people make. Oh, I just want to chase the shiny new things. Everybody's making money doing this. A lot of people message me, oh, I want to make some side money. Can I, can you teach me how to start a CBD business? Right. And sometimes I want to say, like, this is this is not a side business. Right. Do you know how much went into this business coming together? Right. This is a manifestation that I put out into the universe years ago. You know how much work went into this. You know how much I had to learn and invest in myself to know what I know to run a successful mm-hmm. online CBD business. So it ain't nothing. This ain't a side hustle for me. Okay. This is what I do. Yeah. And it's a difference. So I can't tell nobody how to do nothing quick fix to make money. I can teach you how to take what you got love and passion for and how to monetize it. But I can't show you how to hurry up and make some money real quick because that's not what's going on over here. Right. You know? So it's the difference in side hustles and being an entrepreneur. That's too, uh, you hustling, mm-hmm. you have no strategy. Yeah. You don't even probably really know your numbers. You are scattered all over the place. Yeah. You're probably trying to offer, do a million different things at once. once. <laughs> wasting your time. And money. So I don't know how to tell you about that. Okay. I know about strategy and having a plan and, and following a passion and purpose. And then, of course, setting up systems around that so it can be monetized. That's what I know about. So straight facts. I mean, <laughs> you guys 
on this podcast today. If you have not caught all the gems, you better hit this on replay when this comes out. <laughs> she's been dropping nothing but gems this entire podcast from the time she's got on. I want you to tell people, Kiva, how could people find you? How could people get in contact with you, whether they want to hire you as a coach or help them with their business plan for a fee? Um, tell people how they can find you. So um, I'm Kiva Richardson on all social media or, excuse me, on Instagram, I'm Kiva underscore Richardson. On Facebook, I'm Kiva Richardson, LinkedIn. Um, <clears throat> I also have the Pretty Women Love Cannabis page. It's Pretty Women Love Cannabis underscore. Mm-hmm. You can find us on YouTube as well, Pretty Women Love Cannabis. You can find my memoir, The Journey of Unbecoming, on Amazon. It's available in Kindle and paperback. Also, my personal site, which is KivaRichardson.com. I also have the online CBD store, which is www.pwlc.store. That's where you can buy the best CBD products on earth. We do ship to all 50 states. It is legal. It's safe. Um, and just check out the customer reviews. We get really phenomenal feedback from our customers. And in terms of getting in contact with me for coaching right now, um, more coaching on the health and wellness side. I just started a mentorship program called Nourish to Flourish because for my entrepreneurs out there, I want to tell y'all this too, because I feel like your foundation has to be strong. You know, I would not have been able to, I feel like make make quantum leaps in some parts of my journey if I wasn't healthy at my core. So getting healthy, eating healthy, getting sleep, meditation, tapping into nature, these are things that will help you stand the test of time as an entrepreneur. So the mentorship program is Nourish to Flourish, and I'm basically teaching people how to transition into a healthy lifestyle because that was the change I had to make for my life to really open up and transform. I had to get healthy first. Then I became a better entrepreneur, a better business person. My thinking got sharper. So I want to teach people how to get healthy at the core and how from that vantage point, this is now how you can align with your higher goals and your higher passions faster and better. So within that mentorship program, I will be doing some entrepreneurial classes, teaching people more so how to create digital products around what they have passion for. Right. Mm-hmm. And then I plan on doing a CBD business expo because I do get a lot of people who reach out to me wanting to know more. But honestly, I'm, I'm still new into CBD. And it's like if I'm going to teach somebody how to do something, I want it to be a sound strategy. Right. So I'm kind of got some kinks I still got to work out. But when it comes to digital products. Teaching people how to make ebooks, online courses, how to automate systems. Like, I can do that with my eyes closed because I've been doing it now for a long time. Mm-hmm. So, that's it. You can really apply those strategies to any business that you want to get into online, whether it's CBD, uh, a beauty business, some other type of uh, physical product or digital product. So, that's what I'll be teaching around. So, the mentorship program is called Nourish to Flourish because that's what it's about. And you got to constantly nourish yourself, mind, body, and spirit. If you really want to flourish, you know, because I'm about being abundant in all aspects. I'm not somebody who's solely interested in having money. You know, I want to have good health mentally, physically and spiritually. I want to have great relationships. I want to be having a great time. I want to be joyous and have bliss in my life. So, you know, you got to be tuned into your health more. That's more important than everything. So for my entrepreneurs out there, all that team, no sleep team. I'm going to eat Raymond noodles until I make it. No, 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 no. All right? That's right. 
Get that health together. Trust me, it will help you make leaps and bounds on your journey. It will definitely give you sharper thinking. All right? And you can show up better. When you're an entrepreneur, you work for yourself. There's no sick days. I, I cannot get, afford to get sick, and I don't because, you know, I'm a plant-based eater. I do what I have to do to keep my mental health in check. I'm physically active. So, you know, I make sure I'm in good health first and foremost because I'm running a business here. <laughs> like you're running a business and you need to be right. and you need to be healthy. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, Kiva, it's been amazing having you on our Mirrors Reflections. I'm so excited for this to drop because I really believe your horns is going to be beeping. <laughs> People are going to want to pick your brain and want to take your course because I myself said to myself, I have to take your course because I have a lot more to learn. A lot it's a monthly mentorship. So you can, you can get in for a few months when you look, okay, I'm good with this. You can opt out. So it's no, it's no contract. The monthly mentorship, we do coaching sessions every week, um, provide you with all the resources you need to transition into healthier living and, that's how we. That's how we're rocking out, and it's new. It just. I just literally started this at the beginning of the year. So. Wow. Well, thank you for coming on. Thank you for sharing your expertise. Thank you for sharing your experience, and thank you more than anything for being so vulnerable. It's been an honor. It's been thank a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Me, on. <laughs> me too. Thank you for having me. It was my pleasure. You can have me back um, anytime. So. And I will. <laughs> Now that you've offered it, absolutely. Yeah, you can have me back anytime. We can do a part two if people want it. So just keep me posted. Absolutely. Um, yeah, this was definitely fun. I had a great time.